Hello and welcome to Pinot and Perfume. As always, I am your host, Sarah Chacon. I'm trying to keep it down because uh, we have a house guest this weekend. And uh, I always get self-conscious when I have to record when we have guests. I think just because podcasting is kind of a weird hobby. You know, like I don't get paid for this. Um, and I'm not, it's not like I'm like, it's not like my job. You know, I'm not Joe Roganing it up here. Um, I'm doing it because I just... I, I I think it's fun and I like to talk about perfume and this is a good outlet for that. But it's kind of a, a weird hobby to explain to anyone, I guess, like just outside. Cause it's not like it's writing or photography or drawing or anything. It's just, it's just kind of a weird hobby. And it's something that I guess as an outsider, I could see an outsider being like, well, if you're not getting paid for this, why do you do it? Like, what are you trying to be Howard Stern? You know, so I'm trying to uh, keep it down. Um, so I just, I just feel a little bit self-conscious. <laughs> anyway, um, as part of um, showing our house guests around town and all of that, we did a wildlife drive, which um, near my, where I live, it is, <clears throat> there's a wildlife drive that depending on how, fast you go. Well, you can only go 10 miles an hour, but depending on like how much wildlife you see and how fast you go could take anywhere from like one to two hours. And it's on a stretch of like protected land. And it's really cool. My husband and I did it for the first time last summer. It was hot as balls. We saw some gators swimming. We saw a bunch of birds. It was really cool. So we took our friend um, today and it's like much better weather. It's, you know, we're in March, so it's was like a cool 64 degrees with the wind blowing. Beautiful sunny day after a couple of days of weird rain. And we saw like so many motherfucking gators. Big motherfuckers too. Uh, at one point, my husband was driving, so he rounds the like a, a curve in the road and he happened to look out on his left-hand side and he saw like two gators just sunning themselves so close to the road. I took pictures of it, but it, we were close enough to the car. If my husband were to open up the car door, he could probably reach out and touch one of them on the tail. Didn't dare do that because A, it's illegal and B, um, you know, <laughs> we're not idiots. But they were really close. It was enough to make us nervous. Um, B, even though we were in a car, we had protection. Enough to make us nervous. Um those are like the second and third gators we saw. We saw, well, third and fourth gators we saw. Prior to that, we did see a couple other ones sunning themselves. And then after that, we saw a bunch just on the banks. And they were all big. Like, it was so cool. Just having a good time, chilling. And the ones that were by the car, like, because we had the windows rolled down because the weather was so nice. And I know they had to have heard us, like, talking because we were, like, right there. They didn't give a shit. That one had its eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> like, it was just basking in the sun. It wasn't, you know, I guess it wasn't a uh, time to time for dinner. Um, and the other one was just kind of basking in the sun too. Like neither one of them really cared, even though they heard us. They clearly had to have heard us. Um, I would have liked to see a gator like snatch a bird, like leap up and like snatch a bird. That would have been cool. Or even not even leap up, but just like be swimming in the water. And because there were a bunch of birds out um, sunning themselves and swimming as well. And just like come up on one and just like open its mouth and get it. That would have been super cool. Would have been major national geographic style. Um, and that's the kind of excitement I live for, but we didn't, but we did see 
a lot of gators. And for it being like a free activity, not bad. Not a bad way to spend like a couple of hours of your day. Um, super, super fun. So I was thinking, because apparently, you know, the whole like the generational feud, I guess now that started on TikTok between like Gen Z and millennials and, you know, side parts versus middle parts versus skinny jeans versus mom jeans, all stupid. But it did get me to thinking about generations. And I, my hypothesis, my view is that millennials are the generation, are the most, most fucked over generation so far. Hear me out. I am on the older end of the millennial spectrum. I was born in 83. And I think that's usually where most studies say like 83, 84, depending, um, is where the millennial generation starts. So I'm at the older end of that spectrum. Starting, (laughs) I feel like the millennial generation started getting fucked over on September 11th, 2001, beginning of the end. So twin, uh, twin tower attacks. I was in senior year of high school, the, the twin tower attacks, right. Um, which was wild to watch on, on the school, um, on the school TVs. I, you know, being in Florida, very far removed from New York city. So I felt like I was watching an action movie. Um, cause I was just so disconnected, very strange indeed. But shortly after that, is when the war started. Like we did, W declared war. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I know the boys in my senior high school class were shitting themselves because they were all turning 18 and they had to register for the draft. And we had just, you know, declared war. So that was like a big, a big concern. Uh, luckily, we didn't have to institute the draft, although people worried that we would. We didn't. And so then we just went on our merry little ways. Went to college, you know, younger ones coming up, going to college too. And then we graduate from college. And what do you get? Bam, the recession, the great recession. So dealing with everything, like dealing with a whole nother world, you know, because the Twin Tower attacks definitely changed the U.S., you know, with from how we travel, security measures, all of that shit. Dealing with that, managing to move on with our lives, going to college, and only to get fucked over by the Great Recession after we graduate college. So now it's hard to find jobs. It's hard to find good paying jobs. And so now we're dealing with that, having to move back in with our parents, some of us. Luckily, I managed to avoid that fate. Thank the Lord. I did have credit card debt, though. But anyway... I would rather go into credit card debt than move back home with my parents. Probably not smart, but I got it paid off. So we're good. So anyway, now you're dealing with the fucking recession. People are either aren't getting hired or they're getting laid off. And then if you do have a job, your wages might be frozen because nobody can afford to give you um, fucking a raise. Or if you do get a job, you're probably going to start lower than you would have had we not had a recession gas is through the fucking roof. Like it, you know, your expenses don't go down even though everything else slowed down or, and, or stopped. So then you're dealing with that for years, that whole mess finally subsides. And then you have a, you enjoy a few years 
of, you know, finally having a good job. Maybe some of us are starting a family. Some of us have gotten to the point where we can buy a house or at least pay our rent and have some disposable income left over. We're chilling, we're grilling. Bam, COVID-19 happens. And all this shit reset. I don't know if we plunge, did we plunge into a full on recession? Like on the likes of, you know, on the same level as the Great Recession in 2020. I don't know, but I know there is talks about a possible recession. Recession. Either way, again, you have people being furloughed, laid off, whatever, um, and just the world is stopping. When the so the little momentum we've made is now two, you know, two step, one step forward, two steps back. It's now been shot to hell. All of this has happened. Honest, what like in the span of twenty years, a lot of big, um, big events to happen in the span of twenty years, all impact. I mean, it impacts other generations too. But when you think about like the millennials, like the start of like their adulthoods, really, the we've been fucked over a lot since getting adulthoods, um, since hitting adulthoods. So that's why I say millennials are. The generation that's probably been the most fucked over in a short amount of time so far. I'm going to go on record and say that. I do feel like Gen X is going to, is on their way though to being fucked over because I saw a headline that's saying that people who are currently in school who are falling behind because of COVID restrictions and are not doing well working remotely or, you know, going to school remotely are now at, they're likely not to make that up in, in, um, college and jobs. Like they're likely to struggle in college and jobs and that can earn, you know, impact their earning potential, all of that shit. So that's like a whole other set of fuckery that the millennials didn't have to deal with, but that Gen X or Gen Z might have to. So while millennials, I think have been the most fucked over generation in recent history, I think Gen Z is on their way. I think I said Gen X before, but I think Gen Z is on their way. And if you have, I'm interested to see if your assessment, if you agree with my assessment, because <clears throat> millennials don't, you know, they were, we were made fun of during the whole, you know, back when we were young, because now we're the older ones of us are like middle-aged, the people were making fun of us were like liking Starbucks and sushi and, you know, and our texts and this and that. <clears throat> and it's like, you know, we've dealt with some shit. And now I think we're beyond the Starbucks and the sushi. Um, I saw a TikTok video that said millennials just want to pay their rent because they're tired. <laughs> they're just tired and want to pay their rent to leave them alone. Wholeheartedly agree with that. We've been through so much over the last 20 years that at this point, we just want to keep our succulents alive. We want to pay our rent and we don't want any bullshit. Like we want to be left alone. So that's my hot take on the generational um generations, uh, be nice to millennials and, uh, don't shame them. Uh, don't make fun of them because we've seen some shit. It didn't start off that way. We started off kind of how like, like the Gen Z's are with the criticism. People were talking, you know, people are talking about Gen Z. They don't know shit. They're growing up on technology, uh, blah, 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 blah. They don't know what it's like. People said that about the younger millennials too, but you know what? 20 years later and we're all just grizzled, weathered, tired, people who just want to drink wine, keep our plants alive, and fucking pay our rent slash mortgages. And with that, 
I think we're going to get into fragrance scent of the week. Okay, so scent of the week is a scent that I'm going to have to eat crow on. No way, no uh, to think, no doubt about it. I am eating crow because this scent of the week is Love Diane by Diane von Furstenberg. Now, you know what? I'm just going to go over the description. So, on my little, I got, I have two samples of this fragrance, both from FragranceNet. When I ordered, I had some, uh, when I ordered some fragrances, I think it was like 2019. Um, and I never, I just now got around to like trying them out. So the description is a delectable fruity fragrance. Fresh top notes of red currant and apricot nectar give way to a fragrant heart of jasmine petals and underlying notes of licorice and praline. This was released in 2012 as a flanker to the original Diane perfume. Now, uh, my first impression on my Instagram, if you're not familiar, um, I'm at Pinot and Perfume on Instagram. I usually do a first impression of the fragrance that I plan to review later on the podcast. And when I do those, it's literally one spray. I smell it and I, you know, quickly uh, schedule a post that has my initial thoughts. So I haven't, this haven't had like a full wear test or anything like that. It's just my immediate thoughts when I first smell a fragrance. And this one, I really ripped a new asshole. So I will read my description. I was very proud of it. It made me laugh. It made my friend Jenna laugh. And yeah, maybe I'm bragging. I don't know. But I just, the creative juices really flowed with when I wrote this first impression. So love Diane. This is a direct quote from my Instagram. Love Diane. Oh, first impression. Love Diane from Diane von Furstenberg. A creamy, sweet floral, floral fragrance that I kind of hate. It smells like the type of perfume a Karen might wear, one who may be in her late 50s or early 60s, rocks an anklet, and who worships and loves her grandkids, but is a huge bitch to everyone else. May also have sunspots on her chest and a scratchy voice from chain smoking for the past 30 years. Apologies if you like this perfume or if your name is Karen. Um, yeah, so not a big fan at first. And the reason why I said this was firmly, I would say like a middle age to older lady fragrance. And you know what? I've actually, I think it's more firmly middle age because it's fruity floral, but there is a depth from the licorice and the praline that plants it firmly. It doesn't smell mature like an old lady mature, like a Chanel number no. five. It doesn't have that weird aldehydic or powdery smell. But it doesn't smell young. Like it's not a fruity floral that I see a woman in her teens or 20s wearing. I see this firmly, firmly as a middle-aged woman's fragrance. And I know that description of a Karen is probably very insular to Florida. But I'm willing to bet it's probably more insular to um, the entire southeastern United States. Because I'm pretty sure there's a variation of this lady in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. I'm sure people listening who are from those states can probably know exactly who I'm talking about. You don't have to live in Florida. Um, so yeah, but I, I definitely see, I still see this type of lady 
wearing this perfume, but my opinion on the perfume has changed because I actually think it's quite lovely. I know. I know. Like I said, I'm eating crow. Um, so it's, it's, I like, actually like the depth that this gives. It just kind of makes it a more, like more well-rounded fragrance. Like it kind of angers it from being too sweet, um, and being too youthful. And it's just slightly more grown. The one thing I hate, the, the beef that I have with this fragrance is not the smell like I thought it would be. It's the longevity. On me, like three hours, and if you can't really smell it on yourself anymore. It projects for like, I don't know, like 30 minutes maybe, and then settles down. You can still smell it. After three hours, though, can't do it. Maybe you can get four out of it, but on me, it's like not even four. Three hours, and it's done. You don't even smell it. You can put a whole different fragrance on, and you won't smell any of the Love Diane. And that's my beef with this perfume is it's lovely. It really is. I'm surprised that I'm saying that, but it's really lovely, but it just doesn't last. However, it's not really an issue because this, I'm pretty sure this has been discontinued. I can't find any listings on, um, it's all out of stock on Overstock, Sears, Walmart, um, any legitimate discounter it's not on like fragrance net anything like that i see a lot that are you that are used on etsy or mercari and they're like two hundred dollars three hundred dollars let me girl or boy if you see this perfume if you're debating on buying a used love diane perfume and are seriously considering shelling out two hundred dollars or more don't it's not worth the money not worth the money it's what I will recommend instead because this smells very similar minus the praline and licorice, but it very, smells very similar to SJP NYC. It's got the same, especially in the dry down, it's got the same like, it's not the same notes, but it smells like in the same fruity floral. The fruity floral um, smell in SJP NYC smells very similar to Love Diane. The only thing that's missing is that added rich depth, richness to it. But I would say they're like 80% similar. SJP NYC is 80% similar to Love Diane. To me, they're not so dissimilar that I'm really kicking myself for not buying a full bottle of Love Diane when it was still in production. I'm, I own SJP NYC and I feel like it's a very satisfactory dupe. Also because while I do think Love Diane is is nice, I'm not in love with it. It's not like a love at first sniff, clearly. It's just an okay perfume. And if you're going to buy just an okay perfume, go with one that's a little bit cheaper and that's still in production like SJP NYC. Longevity is about the same. Actually, I think it's probably a little bit better on SJP NYC. And that's the Eau de Toilette version. Have not yet tried the EDP formulation. But... Eau de Toilette is better than this Love Diane Eau de Parfum. Side note, what is it about, why is it that middle-aged women who wear anklets are almost always cunts? You know what I mean? Like anytime that I see a middle-aged lady or like a lady that's like 50s, 60s, and she's rocking an anklet, braced like an anklet, she's always a huge bitch. Maybe that's from my time in spent in retail dealing with a lot of these ladies, 
But I just feel like that's like the international sign that you're dealing with an asshole. You know, sunspots are another one, but it's got to have be the whole package. She's got to wear some culottes with like a sleeveless shirt or a tank top that's got like some embellishment on it, some sandals, an anklet, sunspots on her chest and her upper arms, and um, maybe be maybe a blonde, but it doesn't even have to be blonde. She could be any hair color, but in my, my particular lady in my head, she's a blonde and she has a froggy voice from chain smoking. Maybe her, you know, she might also wear a ball cap that says like world's best grandma that's bedazzled. I don't know, but that's just as like the anklet is a dead anklet and culottes dead giveaway. If, if, if home slice is wearing an anklet, and she's got the culottes and the sandals and the sleeveless top slash tank top that says like live, laugh, love, or has some bedazzled, you know, whatever embellishment on it, then you're dealing with an asshole. And I don't know why. Why is that the uniform of asshole women? <laughs> but it's, you know, consider yourself warm, warned. If you, if you work in the service industry, hospitality industry, retail, and you see one of these ladies making a beeline for you try and get someone to cover, try and switch, run far away because she's going to be nothing but a pain in your ass. You heard it here first from Auntie Sarah. But yeah, love Diane. It's an okay fragrance. It's out of production. Uh, the longevity is piss poor. Don't spend the money and buy the, the grossly overpriced used ones you keep seeing on Etsy and Mercari by SJP NYC. It's basically, it's so similar that you can get an idea of what Love Diane smells like if you smell SJP NYC. This is a middle-aged woman's fragrance. I did end up liking it, but um, not enough to, to try and hunt down a bottle that's been discontinued. That's my hot take. And uh, let me know if you've smelled this fragrance before, if you have any uh, any opinions on it. All right, so fragrance in the news. I've got some from all a whole swath of of different fragrance stories. So as always, these will all be linked to in the show notes if you want to read them for yourselves. Our first article comes from womaninhome.com. And I thought it was interesting um, because the headline is Britney Spears perfume sells out after hashtag free Britney campaign and documentary. If you're like me and you turned on Hulu and saw the New York Times presents Britney Spears documentary, you clicked on that so fucking fast. Maybe you your th your thumb got a cramp because it's not used to moving the muscles in it aren't used to moving that fast to, to press down on the button on your remote control. I watched it. I I loved it. I lived it. I embedded it into my soul because, and it's, I've never been like a huge, huge Britney fan. Like, yeah, she's got some bops, but you know, she's a pop, pop icon. Um, but I don't know, like I've really kind of changed my attitude toward her just because when her whole mental breakdown happened, I felt so bad because honestly, like it, it went beyond, it started off of just like another young Hollywood celebrity acting like an asshole, partying with her asshole friends, you know? <laughs> drinking, maybe shoving Coke up their asses, whatever, you know, rich people doing rich people shit. But then it turned, you know, it took a turn for the dark side when 
she started shaving her head and, you know, dumping her Starbucks cups at paparazzi. I think she took a baseball bat to one of their cars. That's when it was just like, okay, this girl's going through something. It's a cry for help. They got the conservatorship. And now it's like, um, you know, I feel like when they first had the conservatorship, it made sense because she clearly was not well. Now, though, it seems like it's a little shady that they're still, she's still under conservatorship. Um, it sounds like her dad is trying to take advantage of her. That was my takeaway is like, <clears throat> it seems like a lot of people in her life are trying to take advantage of her, which is really, really sad. And girlfriend just needs to be left alone in peace so she can raise her teenage boys. And, you know, if she wants to keep making music, she can. If she just wants to retreat into the sunset because her life has been friggin' nuts and she just wants to get away from it all. She needs to have that freedom too. Anyway, hashtag free Britney. But so this is, I thought this was interesting because there's like renewed fan and nostalgia, you know, uh, I guess a renewed sense of nostalgia and just a renewed love for her brought on by the free Britney movement. Um, her weird Instagram posts that everybody's convinced that's not really her posting this documentary. And it, um, this article says that, uh, Fantasy and Midnight Fantasy fragrances have sold out, according to the Fragrance Shop, which is a perfume com company, and uh, they completely sold out for the first time since they launched. They both launched in 2005 and 2006, so that should tell you something. Um, there was another fragrance, um, Fragrance Direct, another um fragrance shop that they interviewed said that they saw an increase in sales across the whole Britney line. Um, overall, it's like 155% increase in sales since the documentary aired, which is crazy. And they said, um, since from the fantasy collection, this is a quote, uh, since from the fantasy collection have been among amongst our best sellers, seeing an uplift of up to 335% in comparison to February, 2019. That is a freaking lot. So, and you know what? Good. I'm glad that people are supporting her. She needs to make that money because I don't know what she's doing now besides being held hostage in her own home. So if people can like continue to help her make money by buying her fragrances, then good on them and good for her. Like, honestly, she needs to make that money. And unironically, I do want to pick up a bottle of Private Show because that fragrance actually sounds like it would be pretty bomb. Let's just go over the notes. Hang on while I, while I bring it up. Okay. Sorry. Um, it's spring season allergies. I perpetually stuffed up. I don't know what it is. If any longtime listeners, you know, you probably tune it out by now. First time listeners, just that's how I am. Sorry. I dream of a world in which I do not have allergy reactions, but that is just a dream. So the private show notes, your top notes are clementine, coffee, and nectarine. Your middle notes are dulce de leche, jasmine, sambac, and orange blossom. Your base notes are amber and musk. It sounds sweet, which I'm really into. And it sounds, I don't know, the dulce de leche and the coffee notes sound like they would be, like it would, uh, they intrigue me. And uh, it sounds it actually sounds really nice. Like it doesn't sound, I mean, let's, even if it's a cheap, sweet scent, if it smells good, it smells good. You know, like I'm kind of starting to lean into the celebrity fragrances because there are some that when they're done, they're done really right. I've heard 
Rihanna's, Rihanna's Rebel Floor is another one that's supposed to be pretty good. That's got coconut in it. Um, Sophia Vergara, Sophia, like her first, her debut fragrance. My sister had a bottle of that. That shit was on point. I mean, it was, people are comparing it to Coco Mademoiselle. And it, to me, it smelled familiar. I don't know if it, like, Coco Mademoiselle didn't jump out of me. I would have to smell it again. But it smelled very, very grown and very sophisticated for a fragrance that she picked up at Burlington Coat Factory for like, I don't know, it was like $20 for like a gift set, something crazy. Not bad. So there are a few hidden gems in the celebrity fragrances. I'm looking forward to exploring those more. Picked up a bottle of Fancy. Um, first impressions already been published. Love it. So I'm having, I'm going to, I'm going to start exploring those more. I'm going to have fun. And I do really want to try um, Private Show by Britney Spears because that one sounds so good. All right. Moving on to the next story. This is just a blurb. This is from happy.com, H-A-P-P-I. And it's called the Fragrance Foundation Celebrates Fragrance Day. So Fragrance Day is March 21st. And to celebrate, the Fragrance Foundation is having a two-day online event. Going to be taking place on March 21st and 22nd. It includes sessions with Jimmy Choo, Nest New York, The Fluid Project, and Tom Ford. And it will also be there, the, I guess it's, uh, yeah. So I guess they partnered up with a filmmaker called Louis Schwartzberg. The photographs are going to be used um, in communications surrounding the event so that they're going to be showing that off. And they are also on March 19th hosting a, um, I guess it's a webinar called Sense of Self, the power of fragrance in the digital world, because as we have covered, cover, covered, I can't talk. We have covered several times on this show in the last year. Um, fragrance sales have been booming even during COVID-19. So, you know, people are bored. They're blind buying fragrances. I know I have, and it's been fun. It's, you know, it's fun to try new fragrances. So um, this whole I guess they're hosting a webinar to talk about this uh, uh, phenomenon. And then on April 14th, the foundation will announce the finalists for the 2021 Fragrance Foundation Awards. And the virtual awards program is June 10th. Now, I don't know if it's Fragrance Foundation or if, if that's the same thing as IFF, International Fragrance Foundation, but um, I watched a video from... Clements CC Fragrances. She has a YouTube uh, channel. She's French, living in the UK. Her um, her videos are really, really good. Like she really knows her stuff when it comes to like note breakdowns and and um, you know going into the life and times of different perfumers. Like she's got a really good one on uh, Maison Francis Corchon. That really good breakdown on him as a perfumer, his career, his fragrances. And she goes through, like, I guess each year the awards. And I don't know if it's this same award or if it's a different award. But my point is um, the nominations are bullshit. Because there was one she was reading out the nominations or the nominees and, like, the winners of each category. And Sauvage was nominated. And that fragrance has been out for a while. And this was, like, for the 2020 awards, I think. So let's see what's... Sauvage. Yeah, that came out in 2015. So why the fuck is it being nominated for a 2020 Fragrance Foundation Award? 
it seems bullshit. I think it should be the one, the fragrances who were nominated should be the ones who came out in that year. Or if you're going to have it in 2020, all the fragrances that came out in 2019 should be nominated or whichever ones, you know, that fall into that category. Don't not be nominating um, fragrances that uh, have been out on the market for like five plus years. What's wrong with you? There was another, there was other ones like that too. And I just, I don't understand. I wonder if it's political. Uh, anyway, I think it's bullshit, but if you're interested, uh, June 10th is the uh, awards program. All right, moving on. Uh, this is from beautymatter.com. And Coty, C-O-T-Y, is moving to a more sustainable fragrance practice. Now, if you're not familiar with Coty, they promote a bunch of different fragrances. I, well, off the top of my head, I can only name one. And that's the, the 90s style exclamation and the little exclamation point, that's still marketed by Cody. I know there are several more recent ones. I own some, actually. Can't tell you what they are off the top of my head. For some reason, the exclamation one stuck in my head. Um, but they are trying to reduce carbon emissions across its supply chain and in, the, in an effort to offer consumers more sustainable choices. They've been working alongside... I guess, scientists from Lanza Tech Inc., which is a biotechnology firm. And basically they're trying to craft sustainable ethanol to use in their fragrances, which I'm pretty sure that's alcohol, right? I didn't do too well in chemistry. So basically they're trying to, their a goal is to have the majority of its fragrance portfolio using ethanol sourced from carbon capture emission by 2023. Um, basically, let's see. So right now their fragrances contain ethanol sourced from um, like natural raw fibers or materials, including sugar cane and sugar beet, which use land, water, and fertilizer resources. And the sustainable ethanol that they're trying to switch over to uses near zero water consumption and reduces the need for agricultural land. So that's kind of cool. Um, they're really trying. I think that that's cool that they're trying to make uh, a significant step to leave a more sustainable footprint, offer consumers more sustainable choices because I'm not a tree hugger, but now that I'm older, I do see the importance of trying to be mindful about consumption and your waste and things like that. And definitely companies, I think, have a long way to go. But when you have these like major factories that are producing any sort of product, but especially like fragrance products, pulp, um, you know, paper mills, all of that, they, I think they are, they should have that um, burden or responsibility to be more sustainable because like, Going along the wildlife drive today, when you see land that's been preserved, that's been untouched, it's so beautiful. And, you know, just in my neck of the woods, we live near a wildlife preserve and like springs and stuff like that. And you see the effects that development and things are having on the natural habitat because like my neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods, there's like a bear, like Florida does have black bears. I know you don't think about that when you think of Florida, but we do have black bears that are native. And there's a bear that's going through that every, um, 
fall is when he's most active, but he goes around and noses through people's trash and goes through people's fins. They took down our fence a few years ago when we first moved in, we had to get it replaced. And that wouldn't be the case if, you know, we hadn't moved in essentially, like if humans haven't, hadn't, um, <clears throat> developed that land because it was his land first. And now this poor bear, and I think it's a mom and her cubs and stuff too. Like they're just trying to find food and forage and they're coming at odds with humans. So I think it's, it's just a sign of the times. It's like more developing, um, more developments and, you know, it does eat up a lot of land. And so it's, I think it's important to preserve the land that we have left. And I think it's great that Cody's trying to do that. That was my whole, whole spiel. Um, oh, they're also, they have a goal of having a 30% reduction in absolute CO2E emissions by 2030. So I wish them well, and I hope that they're able to meet their goals. And that wraps up our uh, episode this week. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to me ramble. Um, if you made it this far, congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am now, I'm very happy because for a while, I was at a, my average audience that Inc. calculated was at like a 62. Then I actually lost a few, um, I guess, members and it was down to 50 something. And now it's back up to 63. So I got 10,000 plays. This is just, I'm just very grateful to everybody who's been listening, whether you're from the beginning or a new listener. Thank you for giving me a chance and hanging out with me every weekend. If you want to connect with me online, you can do so. I'm at Pinot and Perfume on Instagram, um, Peloton. I obviously it's a, it's a workout app, but if you want to be friends on there, I'm hashtag Pinot and Perfume. I have a new Gmail account or new email account just for the podcast. I finally broke down and got and up and opened up a new account. So it is Pinot and Perfume Podcast at gmail.com. It's all spelled out. And I think that, oh, I also have another podcast with my friend Jenna called Savoie Shade. It is an Emily in Paris recap. We still need to get together and talk about the whole Golden Globes fiasco. Um, if you don't know, Emily in Paris was nominated for a Glo Golden Globe, two Golden Globe awards. I think it was like best show and like a musical or a comedy and then Lily Collins got nominated for like best actress and the nominations came at the expense of other shows and other actresses who probably deserved it more. LA Times came out with a very scathing expose saying that basically producers flew out the Golden Globes people um, and wined and dined them, basically paid to play. So we need to dish about that. I don't think that they won any awards. I think they were just nominated. At least I couldn't find anything about them winning any awards. But anyway, you can find that on Anchor, on Spotify, pretty much the same spot where you listen to this podcast. You can listen to Savoie Shade. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, let me know what you're wearing. If you have any, I'm curious if you have any experience with Love Diane. If you too think it's a middle-aged lady's fragrance, I want to know. Did you recently procure some Britney Spears fragrances? Let me know too. And other than that, 
I hope you are having fun. I hope you are being safe. But whatever you do, I hope you are smelling good. Bye. Pinot and Perfume is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme music is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.